the heart of God yearns for the lost, for those who are hurting, for those who are struggling. He yearns for you today. So, I mean, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because um, I'm glad and, and I'm excited that Jesus Christ has saved me. And I didn't deserve it. None of us did, no. And you wake up in the morning and you hear things about like what happened in Birmingham last night. And, you know, it makes you really understand how fragile you are. Anybody here plan on waking up in the morning and hearing that one police officer will be dead and another one shot? Who planned on hearing that this morning when you woke up? Raise your hand. Exactly. See, that's just how fragile your life is, y'all. That's just how fragile you are. And you can't afford to keep going through life lost. You can't afford it. You can't afford to keep going through life thinking you'll be okay in the morning. Because morning may not come for you. And if you're lost today, if you will, if you die, if you die, <laughs> y'all, there's no hope. But for us that are saved, there's hope. If someone breaks in my house at 2 a.m. and takes our lives, y'all, we have hope. We'll be in heaven. But if you're not sure, I don't need, you don't need to wait. God don't want you to wait. You can come right now. You can come this very moment. As I was listening to each one of you sing, and you know, and you have a story. John has said, you know, sing your story now. Well, mine is there was a there's a loving Savior that came and he died for me. He changed my life. And he saved my wretched soul. And I'll forever be with Jesus. I'm so sure of that. And I'm looking at the beautiful smiling faces that are bobbing their heads going, yes, I'm sure of it too. So, I mean, God's giving me a message and we're going to preach it. But I, I want you to understand this is a plea right now to you. If you're sitting in this congregation today and you don't understand why we were singing the way we were singing. If that song wasn't in you, then there's a key element missing in your life, and it's Jesus. And if you want to be able to sing the way you heard those voices today, then come. Come right now. And you're not going to get a list of do's and don'ts of what you should or shouldn't do. The Holy Spirit of God will enter in and work in your life and he'll change you. He'll, he'll, God will renew you. You know, you won't get up and you won't look any different. If you're bald, you'll still be bald. If you have brown eyes, you'll still have brown eyes. But man, the change on the inside. It won't, you can't explain it. Oh, there's no time like now. Amen. There's no time like the present. Gina did it. Amen. 
she did it. She got up. She said, I'm tired of what life is giving. And Jesus Christ is here to give you life and life more abundantly. Not more things, not bigger houses, but he's here to save you from eternal separation from the love of God. And I'm telling you right now, there's nothing, there's nothing more important than being and one with God. So if you don't know him, come. If you don't have that relationship, if you were to die today, if Jesus were to come back right now, don't think he's having me give an invitation right now because he may come before the end of this service. And he's giving you one more chance. How many of you have been given a chance today? Praise God. And he's giving you another one right now. Don't sit there. Don't sit there thinking. Don't sit there thinking you're going to get in. There's no such thing as skin of your teeth with God. God, even though it's in his word, by the way, that came from the Bible, by the skin of your teeth. It's, it's in the scripture. I'll find it for you later. You don't. You don't have any idea. You're playing with your own life. Okay. Father, let today be about you. Let today minister to all of us today. Let it, let it, Get down in our bones. Let it get down and deep into our heart. Let your word just permeate everything. Every joint, every muscle, every blood vessel. Let your word just dwell in us today. May it reveal to us where our next steps, where we should be going, how we should be serving, what we should be doing. May your word reveal to us today that. Lord God, for the one that's sitting here today and does not know you and does not understand that there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a hell that is real. But there's a God that is there that can give them eternal security. Let that person know that now, Lord God. Please, we beg, we ask that you change their hearts. That you, Lord God, that you, you, you convict them. And Lord God, take away any fear of, of judgment by anyone sitting in here, Lord, because we, were, we are all just sinners saved by the grace that you poured out upon us. So, Lord God, I pray that it's not by my word or my persuasion, but, Lord God, it's by your spirit that they come that their lives and their hearts are changed forever only through the power of your spirit. Lord, you're here with us today. You're meeting with us today. Lord God, let not that meeting or this meeting be in vain. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
you're lost? When you've been praying to God about problems in your life, things you want better in your life, and you're lost, God is not obligated to hear anything else from you right now other than, Lord, save my soul. He doesn't have to respond to anything else other than the cry of a sinner to a holy God. Exodus chapter 3, in verse 6, he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Jump down to verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14 reads, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Today we're going to start learning about who's the God of Abraham who's the God of Isaac, and who's the God of Jacob. If you notice in the scripture, and back in verse 6, God introduced himself to Moses by saying, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And after that statement was said, Moses did something very unique. He hid his face because he knew who he was standing before. He knew who was in front of him. It was the God of heaven and earth. But those three names, those three names triggered in Moses a response of humility, of, 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 of worship. They triggered a response out of Moses when he just said, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. We often blow through those names. But you have to understand, there's a reason behind those three names. And we're going to look at the first name today. And in two weeks, we'll go to Isaac, and in the week after that, we will go to Jacob. But the first name, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Abraham. I want you to take your Bible. I want you to turn back to Genesis. And I want you to go to verse uh, chapter 12. Go to chapter 12 and go to the first verse. Next few weeks, we're going to teach you something. So get your fingers ready. This is going to be like a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night Bible study or a Sunday night Bible study. So get ready. Okay? Those of you that have come to Tuesday or Wednesday or Sunday night, you know you're going to have to turn some pages, right? And in Genesis chapter 12, starting in the first verse, 
Now, the Lord said to Abram, now we know we have his name is later going to be changed to Abraham, but right now he's Abram. And the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and, I, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in, your, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The first thing you need to understand about God being the God of Abraham is that his promise was initiated right here. The promise that we're, in, we're enjoying right now, the salvation of your soul, it was initiated. And God initiated it in a, in a unique way. He says, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and your relatives and from your father's house. In other words, Abraham, step out right now. Go. Go from everything that you're comfortable with. Go from everything that you know. Leave it right now. Pack up and go. Abraham is so important. One thing we have to understand. Abraham has faith, and he's going to show it right now by packing up his family, packing up his goods, and he's leaving. He's not going to have grandmama up the hill to keep the baby. He's not going to have granddaddy down the hill to come up and cut his grass. He's not going to have someone to come by and go to the store for him. He's not going to have anyone. Abraham is going to have to trust in the promise of God that he's telling him to go. He's telling him to go. Y'all, this is important. You need to understand, because this is identifying God. A nation is going to be built on the fact that Abraham is taking one single step. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and go to verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11 and go to verse 8. Do not lose Genesis. Do not lose Exodus. I told y'all, you're going to have to work. Hebrews chapter 11. Go to verse 8. This has been my life for the past, Bonnie and I's life for the past 10 years. And it should be yours. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You see, by faith he did that. See, this is one thing. God made him a promise, and God and Abraham had to trust in the promise. This is the God of Abraham. See, there was a huge promise made to Abraham. We're going to uh, explain that in a little bit. There was a huge promise, but the first thing Abraham had to do was trust God in what he was saying. That's why the God of Abraham is so important. You see, because the God of Abraham, he's the one that he's telling him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your name great, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless those who bless you. And Abraham had to believe every word of it. It's just like, Brother Chris, if I were to tell you, hey, we're going to have lunch today. We're not, but if I were to say that, we're going to have lunch today. I need you to meet me over at the Guadalajara in Moody, okay? Now. You're going to have to have faith in the fact that 
I'm going to meet you there, right? You're going to have to trust that. It's the same situation with Abraham. He had to trust God. Now, if you go back two verses in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, if you go back just two verses, and without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So these things had to be engaged in Abraham's life at this moment. God is of the God of Abraham is the God of a promise. And Abraham was going to have to trust in that promise that God made him. Now turn back to Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1, he says, you need to leave everyone and everything. And then verse 2, he says something very interesting. And I will make you a great nation. Notice what happened to God, to, to Abraham. <clears throat> You're going to leave first, and then I'll make you great. You're going to leave first, and then I will make you great. Follow the progression here. See, a lot of us, we're different. God, give it to me, and then I will do something with it. You got, you know, I often hear about, um, it's interesting, I hear a lot about a lot of people who, who, and I'm not bad-mouthing any pastors or preachers, don't get me wrong, but they'll say, well, I'm going to pastor a big church. Okay, so you're just going to jump right into that, right? You're just going to jump right into 500 or 1,000 issues that you've never dealt with before in your life. You're going to jump right into that. Well, God said I could have that or I could do this or whatever. That's true. But God also wants to see what you do with just 20 people right now. What are you going to do? Are you just God wanted to see what Abram is going to do with just his family. Abram, are you going to take your family and go? Or Abram, are you going to leave your family here where they're nice and safe? with Cousin Susie and Uncle Joe, you're going to leave them there with them, and then you're going to go test the waters and see how it goes and then come and bring your family back. He said, no, you're going to take everything, and you're going to go. See, God, it's not that God is going to ever lay it in your lap first to know that you're going to be um, able to trust him. you got to trust him and show it, don't you? you got to show them the trust. I'm not saying there's not people that walk straight in, get called, and go into a church that may have a 1,000 members. Bless their heart if they do. I don't know how many are here. I haven't counted, and I'm still not. I still remember Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 24. David counted, and he got in trouble for it. <laughs> he got in big trouble. He got in so much trouble that 70,000 people died. Now, yeah, you know, you don't want to get, get axed on account of me, right? All the way to heaven. I told you not to do that, brother David. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, no. Abraham had to trust God. Go, and I'll make you great. I'm not going to make you great right here. This is not where you're going to be great, Abraham. Please understand that. Because look at the rest of verse 2. And I will make you a great nation. And then he says, and I will bless you. He says, I will bless you. See, this is a unique thing about God. When he says it, he does it. So he didn't say it arbitrarily. And Abram had to believe that he was going to do what he was going to do. You leave, you go, and I will bless you. Okay? And, and Abraham is like, okay. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, he left, he went, 
and he didn't know where he was going. Now look, and you shall, and, and, and make your name great. Make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. Now here's the next part about it. You're not just going to get a blessing, but you're going to pour out one on everyone that you see or everyone that you see. That's the thing. When God saved you, this is the great thing about salvation. It is never intended for you to keep. You know what I mean? And I don't mean like lose your salvation. You know what I mean? It's meant for you to, hey, guess what? Yeah. Lydia and, our, Lydia and myself, we got into this conversation. She sent me a text. And can I share this with them, sweetheart, our text? Okay, I'll share our text with them. Some people are taking this little border skirmish government shutdown thing, and they're equating um, the wall to heaven. I explained to her quickly that has nothing to do with it. Um, they're trying to say, well, there's only certain people that can get into heaven. And yes, that's true. But that don't mean we exclude the ones that haven't received the gift to get into heaven yet. You see what I'm saying? So it's not, you know, so, yeah, a border wall is designed to keep people out that you don't want in there. But right now, in these days of grace, the, that's not even a solid argument for heaven. These days of grace, God wants everyone to come to know him. We're not to restrict it. It'd be no different than us putting a sign on the door. Hey, if you don't have two legs, you can't come in. Well, then what would that mean, Brother Johnny? Yes, yeah, see you later. If you can't see, don't come in here. Get up, Jimmy. Get out. Brother Roy, you hold on to his coat as he walks out. Hopefully, y'all won't walk into the glass door. Okay. Blind leading the blind. Amen. <laughs> and so we had this discussion. And I said, hey, you, can't, you can't equate that. You can't tie the border situation. And I'm not bringing in politics. Y'all can have that discussion at lunch. But the whole point is, is that God is not excluding right now. God is open. I don't care who you are. I don't care how evil of a dictator or whatever you think you, this person might be. God died for them. He sent, he intended. That's it. Come on. Amen. Praise God. See, that's the God of promise. And so he's telling Abraham, you're going to be a blessing. You're going to be a blessing. You're going to preach the truth. You're going to go out. You're going to you're going to you're going to you're, you from you, Abraham. Wonderful things are going to happen. And guess what? I'm a result of it. And so are you. You see. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Jesus, I understand, because when you start going through the, the lineage and the genealogies of Jesus and everything, it takes you back to this point. It takes you back to the promise. So it's important that we understand that we don't just blow through on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because there's promises and there's things and there's steps that are taken. That's why you can't preach this in one sermon. We'd be here till three o'clock. Right? Yeah, I know y'all are like, oh, Brother David, we love you, but we, uh, no, not till 3 o'clock. And then look what happens. He says in verse 2, and, and make your name great, and so, shall, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse the one, and the one who curses you, I will curse. Now, and in you, I want you to get this. And in you, this is the end of verse 3, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
It's all flowing from this point right here. Okay? He's even going to do the mighty work of Jesus through the seed of Abraham. Not that Abraham is the father of Jesus, but that lineage is going to come right through there. See, there's a reason why he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and not the God of Abraham and the God of Ishmael and the God of Naboth, who's Ishmael's first son. First son. Y'all knew that, right? Well, now, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. We got that one done. Okay. There's a reason why. See, that lineage is not meant to follow Ishmael. That lineage, okay, see, because Abraham had a firstborn, didn't he? Now, right, let's go over there and let's look at this. I'll tell you what, let's go over just a couple of pages. Go to Genesis and go to chapter, um, go to chapter 16. Y'all getting a little schooling this morning. A little less spent, a little more education. Works out good. Go to chapter 16 in Genesis, okay? And look at verse 16. Real simple statement. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. A A Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Now, Let's, let's read this the right way, okay? Let's, we're going to start at verse 15. Hold on. We're going to start at verse 15, and we're going to keep reading all the way through to chapter 17. So I need everybody, remember we've done this before, take your index finger. Everybody hold up your index finger. This don't mean that you're excusing yourself to the bathroom. Remember, I taught y'all that, right? Okay. This means you're going to take your index finger, and I want you to put it over 17. Now, go back to verse 15. 15 in chapter 16. Ready? Y'all ready to go? All right, here we go. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Verse 2, I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a, uh, of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations." See, God is establishing right now, he is taking Ishmael out of the picture. I want to tell you something right now. We have a religion and everything that is based on the route of Abraham to Ishmael, don't we? Do y'all know that? And it's called what? Exactly. You have to understand that. But God made it clear in his word that the blessing and the multitude and everything is coming through you. And keep in mind. To even differentiate that even better, after the birth of Ishmael, God made the covenant then. He made the covenant with Abraham after Ishmael. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, Ishmael, we know, was a product of man's plan and not a product of God's plan. Right? 
We know that. How many of you know that? If you, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take you back just a little bit further. Let's go back a little bit further. Go to the beginning of verse 16, verse 1. <clears throat> now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Now keep in mind, they've already, they're leaving and they're going and they're doing their thing and all this other stuff. Sarah's not operating by the faith Abraham's operating by. She's just going on right now. And she says, he's borne me no children and I will obtain. And he says, so Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. And after uh, Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarah took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, uh, Abram, as his wife. And, when, and he went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that he, she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. This was Sarah's plan. I'm not going to have any children. Abram, go marry Hagar and get me a child. And I, y'all know this before, Abram, <laughs> all right, if you're going to make me, I'll go do it. Quit pushing me. I'm going. Mind of his own. Amen, sister. Abram went with the plan Sarah had, but God had already made a covenant with and he's going to make this covenant, but he had already promised Abraham. See, the God of Abraham made a promise back in chapter 12. Then this God, then the same God, our God, comes in chapter 17 and says, now we're about to put it in action. We're about to put it into action. Remember what we read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6? I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face. You see, Moses knew who the God of Abraham was. He was the God of a promise. He was the God of a promise. Now look at this. Look at this. This is great. So he made this covenant with him. Now I want you to go over to verse 17 in chapter 17 of Genesis. Now, after, after God promised that Sarah would, would, would bear a child and all of this stuff and that she'd be the mother of, all, of nations, look at what happened in verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I mean, I don't care how old I get. I don't never need to call my wife out because of her age. Okay? And he did. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Now, look at God's response, and this is beautiful. But God said, no, but Sarah, Sarah, your wife, will bear your, you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So not only did God come in with the covenant with Abraham, but he came in, he's going to tell, he's promising Abraham, here's the rest of the covenant, it's going to be through Isaac. Now, why not Ishmael? Wasn't his plan, and she was born of an Egyptian woman, which wouldn't have maintained God's remnant when he needed his remnant. 
wouldn't have been through the pure lineage of the Jews, of the Hebrew, you see? And I want you to notice something, too, when you look at him. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to spend more time on Jacob in a couple of weeks, but God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of these three. If it had been Ishmael, it would have been Abraham and Ishmael. You see, because when Naboth was born, he wasn't a twin. He was on his own and all of these other things. And he didn't count them. He didn't count that as a lineage because all 12 of the princes were born from Ishmael, which is only two. But from Jacob, all 12 tribes were born. You see what I'm saying? Which was three. Now, if we know the number, we've been dealing with numbers on Sunday night. If we know the Hebrew numbers and the Hebrew number of three is a sign of what? Deity, but also there's something else. Now, I know we say seven is the number of completion, but also three is a fulfillment. Our Trinity is set up on what? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? You got to remember this. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When we get into Isaac and we deal with the potential sacrifice of his life in obedience to God. Sound familiar? Okay? So remember that. And then from Isaac's seed, then we get Jacob. But anyway, back to Abraham. I kind of gave you a little snippet of a few weeks down the road. And he says, look at verse 19 again in chapter 17. But God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. Now keep in mind, he changed not only Abraham's name, but he changed Sarah's name. He changed them both to make sure that they understood now they're really set apart. Okay? Now, they're set apart, their names are changed, and the name change comes after Ishmael. The name change comes after Ishmael. Get that. Ishmael was born in in verse 16 of chapter 16, and then the covenant was made in chapter 17. So get that. Is this too deep or are we good? All right, good. Now, I want you to flip over. I want you to say chapter 18 in Genesis, and I'm kind of walking you through something. And look at verse 19 in chapter 18. This is the God of Abraham. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. See, this is why he's laying things out. He has spoken it about Abraham. He didn't speak. Now, keep in mind, he took care of Ishmael, didn't he? He took care of Ishmael. He took care of Hagar. He just was saying redemption is not going to be through this line, y'all. Redemption is not going to be through this line. My redemption is going to come through a fine line that's going to lead from Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob. He's following the promise. And when he says this in verse 19, for I have chosen him so that he may command his children. This is a continuation of the blessing that 
God was telling him he was going to do. You will be a blessing. You're going to lay down some laws and some direction and some guidance for generations to come. And these will continue to carry forward and over and over and over and over again. They'll keep going. And this is what happened. And so when he promised this, he said, look at the verse 19, for I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he had spoken about him. All direction was coming through this man. Now, when that happened, I want you to flip over one more chapter. I want you to go to one more page, but we're going to chapter 21. Once the promise is made. Once the promise is made. God gives them this direction about circumcision and all of these different things. This is going to happen later on in these verses. But in in chapter 21 and verse 4. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God has commanded him. As God had commanded him. This doesn't mean, I'm not saying... Because later on, we're going to read that other people were circumcised. Ishmael was even circumcised. God had commanded that they circumcise every male. Okay? And he did that. But he makes a note of saying Isaac was circumcised at eight days old. Ishmael was 13 when he got circumcised. Abraham got circumcised at age 100. Ouch. Okay, I mean, seriously, all of this happened. So I'm telling you this and I want you to understand this. I know it's been different, but I want you to understand who the God of Abraham is. The God of Abraham, when when Moses first said that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses recognized the promise through those three names. He recognized the promise. Just like when we come to you as leaders and Christians, and we come to someone who's lost, and we start telling them about Jesus, and they miraculously get saved, guess what they re- guess what the Spirit calls to remembrance? The Spirit enters into them then, and he's calling them, and it's bringing them, wow, salvation. That means I'm, there's a promise that's there for me. And Moses recognized the words and the name, and he hid his faith. From God, because he knew this is the same God that promised Abraham. And I, I, there's too much evidence. See, listen to this carefully. There's too much evidence that I've seen and I've read and all of these things to deny that there's not a God there. There's too much. Go back to Exodus chapter 3 and we'll be done with Abraham for right now. In Exodus chapter 3. When God says in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am, I am has sent me to you. Listen, when God says, I am who I am, he's tied directly down, directly back to his name, which is all cap letters, Y-H-W-H. 
which we pronounce as Yahweh, okay? But that's his name. And his name means, when he says, I am who I am, that means his very being. This is who he is. In my being, this is who I am. And then he adds to them. They may not understand I am who I am or my very being. But what they will understand is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Because there was a promise that was handed down. And guess what, y'all? Abraham did his job. He made sure that things were passed down generation to generation, family to family. He made sure. Abraham did his job. And he kept his promise. And, and the promise, because he kept his promise and God kept his promise. Because of that promise, we stand here today, saved, free, as we sang earlier. Our chains are gone. Our chains are gone. Now, the question before you today, here's a question before you. Are you still in chains? We started out with an invitation. We're going to close with an invitation. Are you still in chains? Hey, and I'm not just talking about chains to chains to um, sin. But are there other things that are just holding you? Just holding you. Well, it is sin. I'm not talking about being the nature of being lost. I'm talking about anything else. Are you still there? Let me tell you, there's a God of promise who said that you will be a blessing and you will be blessed. Okay? That's the same God. He promised. Not only did he promise, but he promised it to the whole generation, all the generations, all the families, everyone, and everyone who's even been grafted in, those who are no longer. Hey, guess what? Ishmael's family is able to receive the promise. You hear what I'm saying? Ishmael's family is able to receive the promise. Well, they're Muslim, Brother David. And you're mean. Okay? (laughs) He saved you, didn't he? No, I'm just saying. God's promise opened up the door, and he used Abraham. Now, keep in mind, Abraham doesn't have any saving power. It's only through the power of Jesus Christ, okay? I don't want you walking out here thinking you're going to pray to Abraham. Abraham's as dead as they come, okay? He's dead. Jesus is alive. But that seed, that promise, you got to believe it. You got to believe in the promise. And then those of you that are saved, if, you don't, if, if you're not living like you believe in the promise, now is the time to start. Today's your day. Today's your day. If you're lost, if you're holding on to bitterness, if you're holding on to anything, today's your day. Start living in the promises and start being a blessing. Today is your day. Please close your eyes. Please bow your heads. You know, you don't have to bow your heads. You can, but keep your eyes closed. I got to understand why we ask people to bow our heads. I know it's a sign of humility. 
I want you to understand something today. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with what God is doing in your life, I want you to understand, think about what Abraham was going through. He had an entire, he has an entire nation of people to lead. He has so many things that he's got to, he, you imagine that God comes from heaven and says, hey, your name will be great, and I, you will do, you will be a blessing. You notice in any of those scriptures, he never said it was going to be easy, though, did he? He never said it was going to be convenient, did he? And just like us, Abraham, Sarah, even though they were living under the promise, they still tried to figure it out on their own. They tried to make things happen on their own. And God said, no. I told you I was going to do it, and I'm going to do it. So, see, when Moses hears that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses heard Abraham, and he heard promise. And he hid because he knew, I'm before the God that keeps his promises. And that's where you are today. Father, as we close in prayer today, we humbly ask that you remind us of your promise. The promise that you gave through Abraham, Lord God. The promise of eternal life. The promise, Lord God, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us and that you'll be with us. And the promise, Lord God, that you have a plan, that you are directing us. And, Lord God, that you've laid it out before us. We may not see the end of the road. We may not see the end result. But, Lord God, we believe and we know that you have a plan. So today, Lord God, I ask that we trust you. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So let us trust you. Let us believe in this awesome work that you've done in our lives. And let it, Lord God, let it, Lord God, just flow from us and pour from us. Let the light, as we discussed in Sunday school, let that light of love and everything else show through us because we're living a life that you promised us. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. And the church said,